TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Welcome back to the Mark Reardon Show. Brad Young sitting in today for Mark, and we'll be here till about 6 o'clock this evening, so thanks for uh, sticking around. Uh, normally, when I fill in for Mark, which is on a fairly regular basis, this is the time, in fact, it's one of my favorite segments. We do, it's called Sue's News. But in this instance, Sue's not here. So I'm thinking, how do you do Sue's News without Sue? How do you do that? Well, there's no replacing Sue. So what I, uh, what I decided to do was to have Sueless News with Hannah Gibbs. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no. And now, Sue's News. Brought to you by Sue. Actually, it's Sueless News brought to you by Hannah Gibbs. Hey, yes. Hannah. Yes. Hello. I'm so happy to be doing Sue's News. Sue, hope I don't let you down. All right. First story we have here. Just one in three Americans had a, quote, great year with 57% expecting 2023 to be much better. So this was a poll, I guess. Only one in three had a great 2022. Looking forward, most respondents are optimistic that next year will be better than this year. Although 45% shared the same sentiment for this year, but Hmm. this has only turned out to be true for 32% of the survey takers. A third of Americans already have their resolutions planned out, sharing their goals of making smaller incremental changes as opposed to major ones. 28% are going to be an implement mix of both. That that was actually Ethan's point, make some small incremental changes. But, uh, but Ethan, how would you characterize 2022 for you, good year or bad year? You know, I think it was a little bit of both. I, yeah. think, I, I think that I would argue that there were things that I that I kind of processed have been going through that have been harder than ever but also I could look back at just schooling and how things are going with my own personal pursuit of a career um, in broadcasting and and those are going very well so a good mix I'd say it there it was a, it ended up being a good mix mm-hmm. Hannah how about you good year bad year I think glad 2022 was awful, and I'm oh. glad it was. <laughs> hey, okay. I'm Listen, glad it's over. Bomb, Hannah, don't don't hide your feelings here. <laughs> really, just tell me what you really think. Don't sugarcoat it for me. Um, you know what? I will say that the best part of 2022 was um, really embracing my 97.1 family and uh, doing all that. So that was great. Everything else in 2022 for me was a dumpster fire. It was. Well, the <laughs> stock market was a dumpster fire. Uh, yeah. It was. Uh, and, Political-wise, dumpster fire. Yes, it was. Economy. Yeah, just all bad, bad, bad. 
Well, the, the one highlight, at least politically this year, is that the Republicans did take control of the House of Representatives. That's true. I also like it from a legal perspective. Uh, I, I love it that the Supreme Court has finally embraced this idea that the, the federal government doesn't have unlimited authority. And they've embraced that, whether that's in the Dobbs decision, whether it was in the vaccine mandate, whether it was in the eviction moratorium, whether it was in the case of saying that the, uh, the airlines could force you to wear masks on the airlines. In all of those areas, the Supreme Court has embraced this idea of separation of powers. And I think that's fantastic. When I look at the history of the Supreme Court, you have to go back 100 years before this to, to find a time in our country when the Supreme Court understood that concept. So legally, there were a lot of pluses this year. Yeah. Politically, a lot of downs. Uh, and as you say, the stock market was definitely a dumpster fire. Uh, speaking of fires, uh, there's a fire sale now on Tesla stock if you're interested <laughs> right. in buying it. But I guess you're not supposed to say Tesla and fire in the same paragraph no, because no they, they do kind of sometimes uh, burst into flames. Do you feel do you feel <laughs> that one in three is, is pretty high or is that do you think that's probably what it tends well, to be? What makes that what makes that so high? Well, I think it's interesting because Hannah said a, a little under 50 percent of mm -hmm. respondents said the same thing the prior year and would have yep. said the same thing the prior year. That, to was, that. that probably had and, something to do so, with COVID. You had to guess. The, yeah. Those. But don't you think like a half of all people every year are going to say this sure, last year sure. sucked? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I sure. think next year is going to be better. Sure. And then the next year may or may not be better. And they're going to say the same thing in the same polling <laughs> <Yeah>. next year. <laughs> Repeating, did we all, have you guys shared your New Year's resolution if you have one? <laughs> well, my my New Year's resolution was to stop making resolutions. Okay. And and I've Perfect. kept that I've kept that for several years now. And and mine was mine was honestly just kind of not really huge on the like I need to make an entire change for the year or more uh -huh. so just kind of small things that I see that I want to correct. Um, so nothing too crazy. Um, so not really on the whole big time resolution uh, train either. How about you though? I said Heidi Harris. Uh, I was on the Annie Fry show earlier and she made fun of this, but <laughs> mine is to live life to the fullest. I think that's pretty broad. So that means I'll mm -hmm. be able to achieve it and I'll feel better because I'm the type of person where if I set a goal, I really like to meet it. So right. if but I set it too fine tuned, then I'll really I know, have to but work by hard. setting a goal that is non defined, you've, you've, <laughs> You've characterized it in such a way that no matter what happens, you're going to meet the goal, right? Right. Yeah. In, in the coming year, I, I want to just, I want to live in the coming year. Well, you know, as long as you got a pulse, you're keeping that resolution. Living life to the fullest is okay. the resolution. Have you defined any sort of anything behind that or what that the is? Skydiving. Is there something jumping, you want to do? I want to travel more. That is something I really want to do. You're going to start eating scorpion dust? I mean, I, <laughs> wow. I, I, I you have know. a month, and I'm going to uh, ask about where you're booked for. Yeah. Okay. I, I will. I want I want to book. I feel like I'm, I live a pretty routine lifestyle, so I'm going to try to mix it up and live ever, to the fullest. Ever clear shots? You know, I don't know. No, what, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. You know, All I've right. been hearing a lot about Everclear recently. That's funny. You know what ever, Well, you know what Everclear is, don't you? No. Everclear is just raw grain alcohol it is Ooh. it is just under 100 percent pure alcohol yikes interesting so uh unlike rubbing alcohol that will kill you just because it's not ingestible by the human body everclear is ingestible but it's such a high Barely. alcohol content i mean if you mix in that with uh i think there's a drink when i was in high school kids made it it was called the purple cow and it was 
uh, basically blue Kool-Aid and Everclear. Ooh. If you're drinking that, that I mean, that's going to burn. I've never had it, but it's going to burn all the way down. Ooh. It's pure alcohol. It's a, it's a hundred, almost 100% alcohol. No purple so, cows. So for vodka, me. for example, <laughs> vodka is 40% alcohol. Everclear is almost 100. Woo! So it's going to be two and a half times greater. It's going to be 250% stronger than vodka. Wow. So steer clear. And by the way, it's also flammable. So Uh if you're thinking, what, I can either burn this in my car or I can drink it. Hmm, what should I do? (laughs) If it's going to explode in the bottle, maybe you shouldn't consume it. Probably not good to ingest. Yeah, good point. All right, next thing we have here are the best overall shows of 2022. This is interesting to me. All right, 8% of the people said that Ozark was the best overall show of 2022. Have you guys seen that? It's on Netflix. Have you, have you watched? I Ozark? haven't watched it yet, but I've heard good things. I, I've watched the, the first half of the first season mm-hmm. just this year, my wife and I. And I'm going to sound like a weenie on this, but it was <laughs> it, it was it was a little too graphic for me. Yeah. Both, both from the physical violence and the just the rawness of the show. It was just a little, 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 little much for me. Yeah, I, I think I watched up until the third season, and it's very chaotic show. It definitely wasn't my favorite show, but eight percent of the people said it was theirs. The next top show of 2022 was Stranger Things, also is. Netflix. Oh, that's what I thought was going to be number one. Honestly. Yeah, that, that's a ding, ding, ding on that, was, that one. That season four was it, hyped up, but it was, but, but it was so much better than because I thought the third season of Stranger Things was kind of a letdown but the fourth season i thought was a grand slam oh, are you so guys good. have you watched I've, all of it i've Stranger never things? seen you've Stranger never things. seen it oh one of my favorite shows it is fabulous top three it i've is, heard great things it, it really is and, and that's the, how you can live life to the fullest start stranger things <laughs> yeah exactly. there we go binge, binge stranger things that should be that should be point number one on your list okay <laughs> stranger things and booking a trip i can do that all right next top show of 2022 was wednesday also a netflix series I haven't seen it. I, I, that didn't come out long ago. That's too. a spin of Adam's family. It came out in December. Um, I've got it on my stuff checkmarked on Netflix to watch. We just haven't watched it yet. But it, you're going to have to like the Adam's family. And I don't know if you've ever seen. I like the Adam's family. Okay. If 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 you've liked yep. the Adam's family, presumably you'll like this because this focuses on the child on the kid Wednesday. Yep. As the, the as the name implies. Uh, but uh, but if you don't like if you don't like Adam's family, then you're not gonna like Wednesday. All right, seven seven percent of the people said Yellow Jackets was the best overall show of 2022. That is on Showtime. I've never heard of that. Never, never heard, heard of these it. other shows. I've heard of, but I have not heard of Yellow Jackets. But it also reminds me. Has anyone seen Yellowstone? Anybody watch Yellowstone? No, I just was talking about that in the Annie Fry show. A lot of people love that show, but. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu. And I, for some reason, it's really hard for me to find. You can, if you have cable, which I think I'm like one of the 20 I people. I got cable. Oh, do you? Too. Okay. There's, a, there's actually a Paramount channel on cable. I'm not talking about the streaming mm-hmm. Paramount network because what happened was this. This is interesting from a, from a licensing standpoint. When they did the show, that was before the Paramount network was created. So they licensed out the show for the first three seasons. But starting on the fourth season, it's available on the Paramount Network. But the first three were licensed out. So you'll have to see it either broadcast, which you'd have to find it and hit record on your DVR, 
or you can watch it on the Paramount Network. Hmm. Interesting. That but, is interesting. But, um, I, I enjoyed the show, but the problem is the one problem that I have with Yellowstone is I like there to be some redeeming character in the show. Mm-hmm. And every character on that show is dirty, nasty, and they'll just do anything sure. to, to win, okay? Ooh. So if you like that, I, I'd like there to be at least one character I can cheer for. Yeah, that you can lean on. And I thought it was going to be Kevin Costner, but it, it is not. All right, a little it's, bit of a spoiler there. It is not. But, you know, the, the sequel, 1923, just started in December. That's on the Paramount Channel. And that's got Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren as the grandparents of the Kevin Costner character. Ooh. And that, so far, the two episodes that have dropped are fabulous. Oh, wow. Okay. Because Harrison Ford is exactly the way you think. And also, I get the idea that this may be like shot. I'm not telling you this to be the case, but it, it looks like it's it could be shot on his property because he owns thousands of acres of land in Wyoming. Mm. Huh. And when he's riding a horse, I'm thinking, he probably does this every day anyway. <laughs> so is this really acting or he's just getting paid to ride the horse for his chores? I don't know. But it's fabulous. All right. Next uh, series that's on the list for best overall shows of 2022 is Grey's Anatomy. I have some thoughts on this. It's season 19 came out in 2022. I think I've been saying for the rest of this list, oh, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this. It's because I've watched Grey's Anatomy Four times completely oh through. Oh, wow. That's a commitment. Are, how many episodes are per season? Ooh, it's typically around like 18 or 19 episodes like per season. Long? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a lot of episodes. I love oh Grey's Anatomy. I have watched it entirely. <laughs> so Multiple times. So last question before we go to a break. Hannah, what your favorite show, All everything included, what was your favorite thing on television in 2022? Ooh, Outer Banks. Did that come out this year? No, I, I was. Uh, <laughs> it was 2021. Okay, I'll I'll say Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Are I got to go Stranger Things. Stranger Things killed it. I think uh, it's either Stranger Things or a show called Peripheral on Amazon Prime. Very uh, forward thinking, blows your mind. Excellent show. Check that out. Hey, we're gonna wind this up. Thank you very much, Hannah. Listen, Sue. We'll be very proud. Oh, good. <laughs> She'll be Thanks very for proud. having me. She'll be very proud. Coming up after the break, we'll talk to a former U.S. attorney about the latest updates in the Idaho College student murder case. So stick around right here on 97.1 FM Talk. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... 
you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to the Mark Reardon Show. Brad Young sitting in today. And nearly seven weeks after the brutal murders of uh, four University of Idaho students, a suspect has finally been arrested. You've heard about this. 28-year-old Brian Koberger. And joining us to discuss the investigation is a former U.S. assistant attorney and now criminal defense attorney, John Davis, with the law firm of Kessler Williams. Hey, John, welcome back to 97.1 FM Talk. Thanks, Brad. How you been? I've been good, and I try not to tell people we went to law school together because I don't want to tarnish your reputation. Well, we've got some stories to tell, but let's keep that off the air, okay? Yeah, we'll have to keep that off the air. Uh, But (laughs) talking about this— Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too, my friend. Uh, This suspect, this is the part that I find fascinating. This suspect was a Ph.D. student in criminology at a nearby university, and at least so far, the police— haven't made any statements about a possible motive. So based on what we currently know, John, doesn't this seem like a law and order episode where a student who studies criminals decides to try to commit the perfect murder? Brad, do you remember what I majored in in undergrad? Uh, You know, I forgot. It was criminal justice. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but so the piece, the the probable cause statements, in, in order for Idaho to file a charge against him, the prosecutor is going to have to file a, a probable cause statement to convince a, a lower court judge that there's at least probable cause, that probably a crime was committed and probably this person committed it. That probable cause statement is sealed until the defendant gets to Idaho. And as probably we all know, he was arrested in Pennsylvania, uh, notwithstanding the fact that he was going to school in Washington. He was just about 15 minutes away from the murder scene, is my understanding. But until he gets extradited, which is a whole different story, to Idaho, and they unseal that probable cause statement, we're not going to know really mm, you know, good point. What, the, what the background is. So, and, and that's actually one of the topics I wanted to talk about was extradition. What is it, and uh, why must there be a hearing? And I, I know this is a question that a lot of folks have. Why must there be a hearing to transfer a suspect from Idaho to Pennsylvania? Well, I mean, under our Constitution— Every state has its own legality. So imagine we're in Missouri. Imagine Illinois police coming into Missouri, arresting a Missouri citizen, and bringing them back to Illinois for trial. That's just... Can't do that. You can't do that. So what you need to do is get a governor's warrant. And when I was judge in the 11th Circuit here in Missouri... um, if there was somebody here that was wanted, I remember the one I had was in Texas, and you get a governor's warrant, and the, the governor of the state has to sign the warrant saying, we need this guy back in Texas. And I remember I got, I got a governor's warrant from Ann Richards. It was signed by Ann Richards. Oh, I, and, wow. I would have yeah. I would have wanted a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I did with it, to tell you the truth. But um but, you know, and then the state of Missouri has to allow, in this case, the state of Pennsylvania has to allow authorities from Idaho to literally come into their border, seize somebody who is a citizen, in this case of Pennsylvania, 
and take them back to a foreign jurisdiction in Idaho. Under Understood. Understood. We're talking to former U.S. Assistant Attorney and now Criminal Defense Attorney John Davis with the law firm of Kessler Williams. And, John, it's been reported that the suspect's DNA was found at the scene. And anytime we hear about DNA evidence, I always think about the O.J. trial in the 90s. But at that point, DNA evidence was just starting to be used, and not everyone agreed with its accuracy. Uh, is forensic DNA evidence considered definitive today? And as you look at it from a defense attorney, how do you challenge DNA evidence? Well, is it definitive? The answer is pretty much yes. But does it is it definitive as to that particular person's guilt? No. And I don't know what what Mr. Kornberger's, you know, relationship was with these individuals. I'm I can surmise that he had a relationship with one or more of them, but he might have been able to be in the house for legitimate reasons. But mm-hmm. you know, the fact that his vehicle was seen outside at the time of the crime, I think it was a a Hyundai, maybe that um, it was a Kia, I believe. But but your point though, yeah, yeah, it was. I believe it was a Kia Elantra, but or is that a Hyundai? I don't know. But my point that I wanted to discuss here, and you've hit on that, is even though the DNA evidence may be definitive, in other words, this hair follicle we know came from this suspect, that in of itself isn't necessarily proof that the person committed the crime. No, absolutely not. Nor would it be a fingerprint or a footprint or anything else like that. They were there, but it doesn't necessarily mean they committed the crime. And one of the other tools that are available to police, and this is something because, as you know, I'm a tech guy, and I find this to be fascinating from a privacy perspective, uh, is something called geofencing, where the police can obtain evidence from nearby cell towers and find out who was in the area. Is that a common investigative tactic in major crimes now with tracking cell phone location? I know it from my experience to be common in, on the federal side, and I know the FBI is involved with this. So geofencing is a real thing. And if, if the FBI or the, the Moscow police want to go back and say, hey, where was this cell phone pinging off of what tower at that time on that day, they could absolutely put him in at least the proximity of the murder scene. And, and, of course, we're spitballing here, but if the guy is studying criminology, perhaps he was smart enough to not bring his cell phone with him, at which point geofencing wouldn't really be of any benefit. No. In fact, it would be a, a great mask to put your cell phone somewhere else and go commit the crime. But i got to tell you, in my experience federally, the cell phone is, is, the, um, is the key to solving crimes. The citizens just don't realize how much information a government can glean from the cell phone. Yes, and and that's why and it's it's a topic I don't want to chase this rabbit, but that's one of the reasons why I've been concerned with TikTok that's owned by the Chinese government because Absolutely. a cell phone is just a wealth of information that can be mined by anyone who has the opportunity and the means to do that. Well, I I'm, I assume you know that the Department of Justice had said no more using TikTok on government phones. I mean. Yes. You're exactly right. Yeah, because because it's a sieve of information. You can get anything out of it you want. But that's a that's a, a topic for another day. Uh, how important how important is because we've all seen this. We don't get to do and live your life, John, where you deal with this kind of stuff on a daily basis. We have to watch uh, Law and Order. OK, and on there, 
there's always an interest or a big focus on the murder weapon. How important is it generally in a murder case if the prosecution doesn't have the actual murder weapon? How big of a deal is that in real life? Well, you know, forensics helps because from what I've read so far, they know what the murder weapon was. It was some blunt edged blade. But if they can't find it, that's that's not fatal to the investigation. I think in, in I think when we see the probable cause statement that's going to be released when he gets extradited back to Idaho, that you're going to find there's a motive. And without the without the instrument, if their motive is strong enough, that will be enough. Interesting. And we won't know that until that probable cause statement is released. That's correct. We're talking to former U.S. attorney, uh, U.S. assistant attorney, and now criminal defense attorney, John Davis with Kessler Williams. And looking at this, John, from a criminal defense perspective, how damaging is it that, number one, everyone assumes that this guy is guilty, but I think more importantly that the Moscow, Idaho police all but said he's the only one that they're looking at who committed this crime. Generally speaking, how, what is that, uh, how does that impact you from a defense attorney's perspective? Well, if I was counsel for the Moscow police, I would have said never make that statement because that's, that's an Achilles heel that we've focused in on one person, meaning we're not going to look at anybody else. So if you're wrong, you take a swing and you miss, you're wrong and you miss the right guy. But again, I don't know what the, what the weight of the evidence is that obviously the Moscow police know. Mm-hmm. And we won't, again, we won't know that until the probable cause statement. And you might not even know after that. The probable cause statement, if it's if it's artfully crafted, is only going to give enough. In fact, it'll probably say, I'm only giving the court enough to create probable cause, which means probably. That's not beyond a reasonable doubt. That's a much sure. different standard when you get to a jury. What happens procedurally? Because now we've got the, the guy who's been arrested in, in Pennsylvania. Procedurally, what happens at this point? forward that we're going to see played out in the news, and how long might it take before this case could actually proceed to trial? Mm, oh, trial? Uh, trial will be a long time. But procedurally, the next step is extradition, and Idaho has to come to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has to agree to release one of their citizens to another foreign jurisdiction, which is Idaho. Idaho has to bring them back, extradite them, and then the probable cause statement will be released. Um, he's he's advised of the charges that are against him, which my understanding is four counts of first-degree murder and a count of felony burglary, and um, and and the uh, the facts that support it. So, trial. <laughs> it's a long way off. It's a long way off. But, the, but even between the extradition, once that extradition happens, there are going to be other procedural uh, hearings and motions and arguments that are going to take place before this case ever even gets close to proceeding to trial, right? Absolutely. He could he could contest extradition, but my understanding from the media right now is that he's not. So that could be a hearing in and of itself. They have to, Idaho has to prove that there's a man wanted in Idaho by this name, by this pedigree, and this is the guy in Pennsylvania and he needs to come back. He could contest that, and there would be a hearing for it. Um, other than that, whether he does or not, he can contest pretrial motions, 
how they seized evidence, how they collected statements, things like that, identification. He could he could motion to suppress all of that in the lower court before it ever gets to a trial court. Right. So there's a lot of legal proceedings that have to take place before this case ever even looks at going to trial. Absolutely. And the other aspect that I find interesting here is that Idaho has the death penalty. So is this the type of case where either, number one, the death penalty could be on the table, or number two, how might prosecutors use the possibility of the death penalty to negotiate with the suspect's attorney to try to get them to plead guilty? Well, first-degree murder in Idaho, according to my research of the Idaho statutes, is the prosecutor can ask for death, but they have to exactly do that. They have to file a motion saying, we're going to motion for death in this case. And if they do, then the defendant obviously is on notice that that's a possibility if the jury were to find him guilty. Um, It's not uncommon for a state to say, we're going to seek death with the real purpose of why don't you plead guilty and we'll offer you life without parole, which is a possibility in, in Idaho also. Right. So there is in Idaho is either death or life. So, yeah, the reason why I asked you that question is because that's the kind of inside baseball tactic that can be occurring behind the scenes. And again, this is going to be long way down the road after all the preliminary motions are done. But just because the prosecutor seeks the death penalty doesn't mean that that death penalty later could be lifted to negotiate a plea with a defendant. That's exactly correct. Yeah. And so that, to me, is the is the fascinating part as this plays out. We're going to learn more. We're going to see in real time the, the criminal defense process, because this is certainly one of the biggest murder investigations that we've seen in this country in a while. And we're going to get to see this play out right before our eyes over the coming months, uh, maybe years, but certainly months. Uh, John, you're with Kessler Williams. You're a criminal defense attorney. How can people reach you at Kessler Williams if they have any criminal defense issues that they want to discuss with you? I'm at john.davis at kesslerwilliams.com, 314-696-9229. But i got to caution you, Brad. He might be facing death, but we got to get to the guilt phase first, okay? Sure. And and that's something else that folks don't understand. It's not like the jury says you're guilty and we're sentencing you to death. Those are two completely separate legal proceedings in and of themselves, right? Exactly. Yeah. So as I tell people all the time when they say, what's taking so long? This usually gets wrapped up in 48 minutes. Like, that's just TV, okay? Real life takes a lot longer, and this is why lawyers— should get paid a lot of money because it's complicated. I agree. I agree. And so does my wife. My wife is always happy when the lawyers get paid. Uh, John Davis with Kessler Williams. Hey, thanks, my friend, for taking time out to uh, talk with us this afternoon on 97.1 FM Talk. Brad, it's good hearing your voice. Thank you. It's great hearing your voice, and as always, I'm envious of your hair. Hopefully talk to you soon, my friend. Goodbye. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Hey, after the break, I'm going to break down one of the aspects of this case that is getting very little attention, and it's about the DNA evidence and how DNA evidence is used. I think you'll find this fascinating because if you've ever thought, hey, is my relatives from Scotland or Ireland or someplace, and you've ran one of those DNA tests, you could be setting up your relatives to be convicted 
of a major crime. And in fact, it's not speculation. We already have a template for how this works. It happened in 2018 in California uh, with a person called the Golden State Killer. And you could be incriminating your relatives right now without even knowing about it. I'll break all that down for you next after this break here on the Conservative Voice for St. Louis, 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the uh, Mark Reardon Show. Brad Young in today. And I was really glad that John Davis was available to talk in that last segment, talk to us today, because he knows about it from both the prosecution side, because he was a U.S. attorney, the criminal defense attorney side, because that's what he does now. And he was a judge. So John has literally has experience on every angle of a criminal defense case. And uh, his perspectives, I always uh, admire and welcome and pay a lot of attention to because he knows what he's talking about. And one of the things that John briefly mentioned, and this is something I want to talk a little bit about more now, is how DNA evidence is used. And at least with my reference, my frame of reference is, I think I mentioned it with John, to me, it always goes back to OJ, where uh, the OJ case in the 90s, there was there was uh, DNA evidence used, and people weren't really comfortable with the idea of, is DNA accurate or not accurate? And of course, OJ Simpson was acquitted in the criminal case. He was later convicted in a civil case and, and was convicted in several other criminal matters following that. But he was acquitted in that because at that point, DNA evidence wasn't seen as being definitive. And that's why I asked John the question, is DNA evidence viewed as definitive today? And he said, yes, it is. But that is not definitive in terms of who committed the crime. It's merely definitive that the defendant was at the scene of the crime at some point in time. We don't know when, we don't know under what circumstances, but the defendant was there. That's fine. But here's the part that to me is troubling. And I've got to tell you, this really pits two ideals against each other, particularly from my perspective as a strong conservative, because I'm in favor of the police. I'm a very pro-police person. Uh, it, it makes me uh, break out in hives when I hear people talking about defunding the police. We need to be extra funding the police, particularly in the city, not defunding them. So I'm very pro-police. But yet another tenet of conservatism, going back to Edmund Burke, my goodness, uh, is this idea that government power should be kept in check and that government power should be limited. And there's no greater area where the government power should be monitored and kept in check than in criminal cases. Why is that? Because the, the government has the power to take away literally your freedom. And that is a power that we as citizens give the government. But there has to be checks and balances. That's why under our system, to be convicted of a crime, it has to be proof beyond a reasonable doubt. There is no proof to a 100% certainty that doesn't exist. So that's why we have the beyond reasonable doubt standard. That means that there are a lot of guilty people who go free. But in our system, and I believe this with every fiber of my being, it is better for someone who is guilty to go free than it is for someone who is innocent to go to jail. 
Because if someone who's innocent goes to jail at that point, their freedom has been taken away from them by a government. And the government doesn't have the authority to take away freedom from someone who is innocent. Now, why am I giving all of these big platitudes? For this reason. This idea where our right to privacy collides with a conservative's desire for justice and police protection, it has a problem when we talk about our DNA evidence. And you look at this case from 2018. This, to me, is the poster child of the potential problems with DNA evidence. The defendant was named Joseph James D'Angelo. He was known as the Golden State Killer. He had killed dozens and dozens of people across California over decades. And police were clueless about who this guy was. They didn't know who he was. The crimes took place during a time when DNA evidence really wasn't used. And we didn't have the technology to track him down. How was he tracked down? And I'm giving you this this background of the Golden State Killer case because this is the same template that's being used right now in the Idaho murders, is that police got evidence. They went back and they reopened the case because these murders had gone unsolved. And they obtained DNA evidence from the case files that were taken at the scene of the crime from these California murders. And here's what police did. They went up onto commercial sites. Now, I'm going to mention a few. I'm only mentioning them because they're the ones that we see advertised, like I believe 23andMe is one, and Family Tree DNA is another, and My Heritage is another. I'm not implicating these in any way. I'm just telling you that these are popular DNA testing sites where you provide them with a DNA sample and they can tell you whether you're 20% Scottish or whether you came from Canada or came from South America or wherever. The police in this Golden State case in 2018 took the defendant's DNA and they created a fake profile on a commercial DNA website and they uploaded the defendants that know who he was at the time, had no idea of the guy's name. But they took the DNA, created a fake profile, John Smith, and they uploaded it to the commercial site. And by doing that, it instantly gave the investigators a picture of all of the relatives of this particular defendant. They still didn't know his name, but they had his family profile. So at that point, the police painstakingly went through all of the family members that appeared through the genetic DNA testing sites to find who is in California, who is a male, who is a male between a certain age, who was in this particular area at such and such a time. It may have worked in the area or lived in the area. And they finally went through until they arrested the defendant, Joseph James D'Angelo Jr., and he was eventually convicted of those crimes. So the conservative pro-police part of me says, hey, that is fantastic. We got a killer off the streets and he's going to be punished for his crime. That is amazing detective work. God bless you. Good for, good for doing that. But yet the side of me that says government needs to have a check on, on privacy and our right to privacy is that people who are relatives of Joseph James D'Angelo 
uploaded, voluntarily uploaded their DNA to these commercial sites. And because they wanted to know if they came from Ireland or Germany or France, they inadvertently provided information to the police to convict a relative of theirs of murder. Now, when they did that, they didn't have that intention. They didn't upload it to a site to say, well, if some of my relatives are doing bad stuff, this is going to convict them. But the point is, is that it 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 uh, preemptively provided evidence of a crime to the police simply because they were curious about their genetic background. So to me, as the, from the conservative's perspective, that's why I mentioned that this kind of creates friction because it 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 creates this problem for me of being pro-police and also being pro-privacy uh, because our information is private. That's why I did mention with John that the governments now are finally figuring out that TikTok is nothing more than an investigation tool by the Chinese government. That's basically what TikTok is. So you could laugh all day at silly videos on TikTok But at the same time, they're data mining the information on your phone and finding out where you live, where you travel, who you see, who are your contacts. And they can data mine that information to be used for later for criminal purposes. That's just wrong. Your protection is private. I mean, rather, your information, rather, is private to you. And your information is private to you. And there's nothing more sacred. There's nothing more personal on this planet to you right now than your DNA. It's more distinctive than any other piece of information that you have. And so in this Idaho case, I promise you we're going to learn that they used the DNA evidence to track this guy through using commercial DNA sites, just like what happened with the Golden State Killer, and that will be a problem. And that's something I'm going to be following as this case progresses. Brad Young filling in for Mark Reardon. Don't go away. We'll be back right after this. Get more at 971talk.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 